0: Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is the guy who can see the future of this podcast ending. It's Clay Williams.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the The reason the podcast ends is that I get mauled by a lion and lose my ability to talk. And this happens oh. 20 years from now. So the podcast goes on for quite okay. a long time. It goes yeah. pretty strong. Um, our last episode is with... And speaking of strong, Jeremy Strong.
0: Oh, what, what, did, what did Jeremy pick?
1: Um, he I, at that point we ran out of movies, so he picked a movie that was called uh, wasn't there a movie called 2010 that did not come out in 2010? Or am I thinking of 2012?
0: 2012 that did not come out in 2012.
1: Did it come out in 2009? Right? Maybe
0: it did, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, that's what he picked. Okay, <laughs> he's a big role in Emmerich. Had. I or no, that's not yeah. Roland Emmerich, Is it? Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, it's Roland Yeah, yeah, it's, so. in, yeah, okay, yeah, it's Emmerich. Emmerich,
2: yeah. Big disaster yeah. guy. Yeah.
0: What um what was the uh um the film with Idris Elba last year with the Lion. Tiger? Funny enough, I was
1: lo- or beast. Um, no. beast? Beast. Beast, right. <laughs> it's so right, funny right. cuz I was just trying I to kind reference of th- this I movie imagine to, fr- like to my cousin <laughs> earlier. I was like sa- I was trying to be like, "Oh yeah, you know, like Crawl, jaws," and then I'm just like the Idris Elba movie, I can't think of um, just like that's this. its legacy now, and yeah, na- yeah and, and unfortunately, it's just and mm. oh, this is actually a great point. I will bring on the podcast. There needs to be a hippo one.
3: Oh. Why has there not been
1: a hippo one? They kill way more people than all those other animals. They kill so many people. They're like the top four deadliest animal towards humans. <laughs> Obviously, like number one is like mosquitoes, but like they kill way more people than sharks. Uh, I'm pretty sure they kill way more people than alligators and crocodiles. Um, Lions—they barely kill anybody. So how is this?
2: I just think that hippos, hippos are too cute to make the villain. I I don't I don't I don't want to watch a movie where the hippo's the villain.
1: I think they just look too goofy. And I think also hungry, cute. hungry hippos. I think hungry hungry hippos has permanently made them less intimidating.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. Um, Although they also yeah, make... but like
1: they're. Go ahead.
2: I I was going to say maybe we should do a Hungry Hungry Hippos, like, live action. Uh, But make it
1: Five five Nights at Freddy's instead. Right. (laughs) Does Hungry Hungry
0: Hippos have lore? God.
1: I... Am I the only one who thinks that was at least at some point in development was a Hungry Hungry Hippos movie? There had to have been. They were making, like, where they were just, like, fucking uh, Monopoly... Um, yeah, they're all like, was it Mattel? I don't know yeah. if, Hungry, if Mattel owns Hungry Hungry Hippos, but no Hasbro.
2: Hasbro, I think Has, it's Hasbro. 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 But yeah.
1: there was a point like before Barbie where they were like, "Yeah, we have every movie that
2: we can think of
1: in development."
2: But what would the little balls be like? What What are they supposed to represent? Food, yeah. I guess. What kind of commentary
1: would it Oil. have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, a politi- it's a political allegory.
2: Oil. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Because wasn't it um, Lena Dunham is gonna direct Polly Pocket? Yeah, that can't be true. That was
1: you see that that, that sounds real, but Greta
0: Gerwig directing Mad Barbie Mad doesn't sound real either. Like yeah, like I don't I don't know maybe the hippo, a hungry hungry hippo was discussed after. Who, who actually wants to direct? Uh, Jordan, uh, Pee- uh,
1: Jordan uh, Peele uh, is directing Hungry Hungry Hippos. That's what I heard actually. Oh Honestly, if
2: anyone could do it, it'd yeah. be Jordan Peele.
0: <laughs> yeah. Get Jordan on it. What, what does he have? What does he What does he have cooking? Yeah. Today we're not discussing hungry, hungry Epo's pitch, but rather uh, 2016's Arrival. Uh, and uh, today with us it's Sophie. How you doing, Sophie?
2: Good, good. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Um, but before we zero in on the uh, really cool film that is Arrival, we. Like to get to know our guests a little bit, uh, and how you fell in love with cinema. Um, if you could think of movies that made you fall in love with movies and movies from your childhood, stuff like that.
2: Oh, um, I mean, I feel like movies, I mean, it sounds super basic, but they've just always kind of been in my life. Like I was definitely like a Disney VHS kid, had every single Disney VHS and I think those are probably some of the first movies that really had me kind of fall in love with that way of story storytelling. Like, I used to watch The Lion King over and over again. I watched Mulan over and over again. Um, and I was just kind of obsessed with Disney at a really young age. So I'd, I'd probably say those were kind of my entry into it. Um, but also... Um, growing up my dad just really loved watching movies as well so I would kind of just watch movies with my dad we would go to (laughs) um, different uh, you can't really find stores like these anymore but they would just have those like packs of like three for ten pirated dvds i don't know if you guys like ever had any stores like that around you growing up they would be like super illegal and somehow getting away with selling like five dvds that are like pirated to a point where they're like like filmed in theaters and you can see people kind of like getting up and you grow up in toronto yes yeah yeah. So yeah, it was uh, It was definitely, th- those were easy to find here. And my dad would just go every weekend and just get a bunch of different like <laughs> super illegal DVDs and we would watch them together. So um, yeah, they- they've just kind of always been a part of my life. And honestly, like the pandemic and getting letterboxed kind of happened at the same time. And I think that just kind of um elevated my interest in cinema and film and kind of um watching more films that that i i've never seen before and um yeah no it's uh letterbox has been a huge <laughs> huge thing what's in my... letterbox oh. i've never never oh. heard of this it's, okay. it's just like a yeah. like a small yeah. Small startup, Small start-up yeah. social media yeah. site. Yeah. It's probably it's fine. You don't need to know. Hopefully, it wasn't yeah. created
1: by New Zealanders. I hate that when that happens. Yeah. So I hope that didn't. They're,
2: happen. they're the worst. They're not. They're not nice at all. Their their country <laughs> is not. Not lovely people. Yeah, it's an ugly country, with the, uh, no cool things going on there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's kind of yeah. a, a very scattered way of saying that. Uh, movies have always been kind of in my life, but in in the past like four or five years, I feel like I've really just gotten gotten much more into them. Um, yeah.
1: So you said letter was letter. Do you think Letterbox was the main thing that was it, in that four to five years?
2: It made it like I feel like it made me as like turn into less of a casual moviegoer yeah. into more right. of like a like, a completionist, like, I now need to seek out movies from this specific director, or, you know, from this specific decade, and I think that's just because it made it just, like, easier to discover those things, and also just feel less intimidated by them, um, and kind of just grow my, like, film education in a way that seemed a little easier, um, but... I've always like going to the movies has always been like one of my favorite things to do. Like growing up, I would just like find any excuse to go to the movies. Um but in the past like yeah, four or five years I've been just trying to like educate me- myself in like the history of film and and just um yeah, be a little bit more of a completionist in some ways. Mm-hmm.
0: I I, I feel like the um uh the DVD pirated box set is a fun way to introduce yourself into the world of like underground 100%
2: uh,
0: films but not but like in the way that they can sometimes be lost and and discarded um, to people that wouldn't otherwise have access in in a way where it's like very like under the table 100% Uh, because the closest that I can think of is uh, um, in yard sales growing up you would have like um plastic shells that would have like in black magic marker the little mermaid and you would be like I think the little mermaid DVD is <laughs> yeah. in this case yeah. and um and it's and it's just that idea of like someone is just passing this down like it's I like guess like, like it's a sweatshirt, yeah, definitely. Um, and just
2: watching what you yeah. find, like we would just go and like not always know the DVDs that we were buying or like heard yeah. of them before, and we would just get them because they were cheap and then we would throw it on and be like, oh wow, that's actually a really good movie. Um, but yeah, the the quality was usually terrible. <laughs> so
0: do you remember stuff that you that you found? do you remember any films
2: um oh my god so many i remember distinctly um we got a spirited away dvd and Mm. i remember watching the shit out of that that's one of my like all-time favorite movies i watched it from like a super young age and um i distinctly remember getting that that copy um and just watching it all the time um yeah, I also distinctly remember getting a box set of The OC, <laughs> which is, uh, is one of my like all time favorite shows as well. Um, but it was like this box set that it was Same. all it was all yeah. in like all of the like um, everything on the box was in like Mandarin. <laughs> it wasn't in English, <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like yeah, it was super random. But those are those are two that stick out in my mind of ones that I just like constantly. Um, was watching and would have on repeat.
0: And also, how sad is it that sometimes when you'll na- you'll hear this generation of little kids being like, I grew up with The Little Mermaid and The Lion King and Mulan, you have to be like, which one?
2: Yes. Oh, my God.
0: Like, I was thinking that, like, did you just watch, like, the one that looks like it's gener- generated by no. AI or...
2: And- yeah, even the Lion oh, King, like the, all of these yeah, live actions, yeah. I'm like, no, please, no, just yeah, <laughs> go to the source material. <laughs> I
0: know. Seriously, if you think it's being made for a new generation, that you're like warping perception on yeah, what, what that even should look. like. I
2: yeah. know. Yeah, it's just
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into arrival. Let's um, do it. How did how did this how did this be in, how did the ship land in your life? Nice
4: that define your story beyond your life like the day they arrived
5: what might be called first contact the objects
4: measure at
6: least i'm colonel gt webber from army intelligence pack your bags you're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations
4: priority one what
6: do they want where are they from you'll be reporting to me but you'll be working with him when you're in the show that's what they call calling the ufo
4: Was being carted off in the medevac?
3: Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough.
6: Every 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. It's tough Yeah, that has happened.
7: What happens now? They arrive.
4: They need to see me. Dr. Banks? Are you insane? Now that's a proper introduction. More objects have landed around the world. This is one of 12. I'm never going to be able to speak their words.
6: Got two days. Figure something out.
4: I am a human their language we need to make sure that they understand the difference between a weapon and a tool language is messy and sometimes one can be both
6: are you dreaming in their language it's possible they're prodding us to fight among ourselves
4: this is just a way to force us to work together for once
6: it's more complicated than. That.
4: how is it more complicated
6: russia just executed one of their own to keep their secret yeah, 21 hours. Four days, not a little more. So, how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in. Why well, does this feel
2: worse? I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters um, when it came out in 2016. It was um, one of those kind of big blockbuster movies that I was excited for um and i remember just instantly falling in love with it i mean the thing about arrival is that y- you can never get the feeling that you get watching it the first time mm-hmm. and <laughs> not knowing the the ending that's coming and kind of piecing it together um as you go cuz i i do feel like it feels a little different on on second watch because you just like Know what's happening, um, but I d- mm-hmm. definitely remember that feeling of watching it in theaters and just being like, "Holy shit!" I was not yeah. expecting that ending at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it does. It does give you the the pieces yes. to fit it all together. But it, I mean, past past and future guest of the show, Kevin Tudor yeah. of almost major podcasts, uh, is is very picky about when it comes to if a film's ending is a twist or if it's a reveal. And this is certainly a reveal. This is not a twist. Like this is not something that it pulls the rug out under you. Definitely. And but it's uh, subtle.
2: I would say it's a uh, very subtle. It is reveal. yeah,
0: it's very understated. Yeah. yeah. And um uh and that's that's why it's it's great cuz cuz you do feel this overwhelming sense of re- of a revelation the first time seeing this, but then on on this recent watch for all of us, I'm sure it's just like Oh yeah, like this is this is a a circle of a timeline. This is not a straight line and it just all fits perfectly. Um
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Would you say it's uh, a and palindrome? And also of course and
2: Oh. Oh.
0: Listen. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't you know, it's a little too cute right now, but I, I no, like more it. puns to come. I'm on top of my game uh, here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's You got a you're at like 11 right now. Um
1: Got I have my shirt down, off
0: for our listeners. I am completely
1: shirtless. I ripped it off with my teeth.
0: This is a shot in Montreal?
2: Yes. It, yeah. If i mistaken. Well, that no, is that's, that's one good. of the reasons that I picked it. I mean, Villeneuve is like one of my favorite like modern directors. Um, yeah. You guys have a yeah.
1: statue of him in Quebec, right? That's, that's what I've
2: heard. Clay, I'm, not, I'm it, not. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm not in Quebec. like
0: super fun. <laughs> No, I know, but like
1: I i mean, I, you know, I know you, I said Toronto <laughs> earlier. I know. I'm just saying you guys, yeah, I can yeah. say because of the same yeah. country. Come on, right. don't, don't, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I'm an ally here. All right. I love me some a
2: Canadian ally.
1: Absolutely. A <laughs>
0: Canadian ally. I, I heard you pronounce that T by the way. That's very, it's very disrespectful. Yeah. Oh how
1: yeah. dare you, Toronto.
0: Uh, yeah, how dare you? Drona? Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. Um, yeah. There, there, there. Well, I, I was gonna say I I always have a time listening to uh, Denis Villeneuve speak oh, about any of his films. It's just the most relaxing accent and it, um, ever, so, like, and deep. it's just very soothing. Yes. And of course, like it makes perfect sense whenever Jeremy Renner's like his sets are just so calm. Yes, <laughs> like, like it's, it's just very fluid, right?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I was looking up like um, I was just reading the Wikipedia before I came on, so I could. Seems somewhat educated, um, but a lot of the production was in Canada, which is very cool, and that's why I, I love I love mm-hmm. him for that. And yeah, nothing's had, ever cheap yeah. in Canada. Well,
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Listen.
2: No, there's. <laughs> sorry, a, no. sorry, sorry, <laughs> that's, sorry. It's, that's cute. It's, that's it's that's cheap here. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well uh, um, and he's no stranger to that because we've um, we've previously covered Enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was um, shot in Toronto.
2: Yeah, and well, it's shot in Toronto and based in Toronto, too. Like, the story is actually taking place in Toronto, which is not usually the case for things that are shot in Toronto. It's either, like, you know, pretending to be New York or some miscellaneous Mm -hmm. um, city. Uh, But Enemy is very clearly supposed to be Toronto. Um, But he does make Mm -hmm. Toronto look like a terrible place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yellow. Yeah, I think it's it, yeah. it's it's like piss, it's yeah, the it's point of it yellow. in a way. Yeah. I think um, I I love um, Enemy as well. I, I really love yes, that. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah,
0: uh, but we we've also covered um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and it's fun to go back to it, Arrival interviews and hear like, oh, he's shooting a next this next movie. Like, oh, what could that be? And and uh, he couldn't attend the TIFF premiere. Because he was in, um, he was in production on Blade Runner, and it's just like, oh, a foreshadowing. That that um, is,
2: kind of, the wild thing about like his run of movies. Yeah, his run is pretty impressive. Yeah, um, it's just one after the other. It's like he didn't mm. stop from like what, like twenty thirteen till like twenty twenty one, basically with Dune. Like it's just like yeah. one banger after another, and and they're all. Fucking amazing, in my
0: opinion. Yeah, even even earlier. I mean, Insan D yeah. was put on the map and nominated for uh, a best international feature, uh, and then Prisoner's Enemy, Sicario. Yeah, this Blade Runner. It's uh, it, do you it's really, do you really think good. like um, he's
2: like since your podcast is all about the 2010s? Is he like? the quintessential twenty tens director. I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet, but he he sticks out to me just very specifically twenty tens, you yeah. know? Because well, that's yeah. when he
0: blows up. I mean like he's gotta be he's gotta be up there. Yeah.
2: Like yeah. He,
1: we've like, it's him and like it's hard to say P I would say Yorgos. The Yorgos there. Yorgos like they yeah. make like four four to yeah. three movies in the decade that are all and they like keep ratcheting up in popularity and respect yeah. In a way. yeah um yeah yeah dune maybe like i don't know like it depends on how you see it um yeah but yeah i mean he's definitely up there um because like if you look at like you could say oh nolan made like but nolan started like he was just on he was already up there in 08 like yeah Someone who basically started their breakout and reached maybe and possibly the peak of their breakout all in the same decade. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I would say, York, yeah, I, I was going to say that same thing that Yorgos and uh, Denis Vanov are distinct in that way. That <sighs> it's all, it's, it's, I think they've made features before uh, their breakout in the early 2010s. But you can maybe say, once they do, it's almost like they did.
1: Mm-hmm. You could almost, you can maybe say, like, the Safties, Gerwig, Peel, uh, Eggers. But they're, like, those are all, like, two movie people. Yeah, two I feel movies, like that's, yeah. like, and the and newer the wave, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: but, we, yeah, Villeneuve definitely. Yeah. It, it was just such a, like, concentrated run of, like, movies in such a concentrated amount of time. Um, and mm-hmm. all just consistently strong. And, like, the productions were pretty bake on most of them and mm-hmm. yeah he's um he i i love him i'm a i'm, a, I'm also a dune yeah. defender through and through um yeah you're in the right podcast, yeah, yeah i fucking love, yeah, dune, love dune and i'm so excited for for march um yeah is it this so, uh, march hell yeah it was supposed to be november but it got yeah. pushed back to march 14th but then it just got pushed up to march 1st so Oh, I didn't
0: hear that. Okay, that's that's sick. Yeah. Uh, if it can be pushed to um, now, that would, yeah, that would I, be, I, would that. be good. I would
2: love that. I would love that. Yeah,
0: to now. <laughs> um, just like email me and Sophie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, just... the, the Google Drive yeah. link. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be nice. I um, would
1: rather shoot myself in the face than watch a Google Drive link th- of <laughs> Dune Two as my first. One. No,
2: we'll, we'll just get. Li- yeah, well,
7: we,
0: we can see it more than once. We'll see it.
2: I
7: feel
1: here like if Denis figured that out, he would castrate me.
2: Oh yeah, he would find like find your address and like burn burn your DVD player. Just start
1: saying all these Quebecian slurs at me.
2: Yeah. about that Um.
0: Yeah. It, it was it was fun to hear D- Denis in some in an interview. He was like, "I I am so jet lagged. <laughs> like I just after after these run of movies, and then he doesn't even get a substantial um, hiatus between Arrival and Blade Runner. It's like I just need to sleep. I know he <laughs> like he literally admitted, I am when I am depleted.'
2: Dune was happening too. He was like like the the press for it. He was all over the place, and I actually." Um, while uh, in the run-up to Dune, he programmed a series at TIFF, um, which TIFF is like the Toronto International Film Festival, but they have a uh, year-long program as well. And he uh, programmed Lawrence of Arabia, um, and he came and watched all of lawrence of arabia and he sat i I went and he sat like right in front of me um and it's a long ass movie with like an intermission and everything and he sat for the entire thing um that's so cool yeah and I, i think that that too he just like seems like someone who really like loves film and um and you can kind of like see that in his work as well so yeah he's 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 good
0: that reminds me of um, on the blank check episode of 2001: A Space Odyssey. They were talking about how there's a stu- there's a story that the guest recounts. Uh, Steven Spielberg goes t- to see 2001 when Christopher Nolan restored the film. That's wild. Uh, I think I think for its anniversary, and uh, and they were commenting like, of course, Steven Spielberg like has like a projector and a and like a print in in his home about like for 2001 but it's cool that he goes and like buys a ticket yeah. and like gets concessions 100%. right uh but yeah it's it's just you know the experience and being with people yeah. uh i had myself a time seeing arrival oh really because um, not only did I, did i see it like like the movie did very very well financially yeah. and you know, maybe we'll get into why a little later. It's crazy but, he got Blade um, Runner
1: before this did well. I mean, I guess Sicario yes, was also a hit, yes. but still.
0: Yeah, Sicario was also, you know, a minor hit. Um, but I saw this on the same day that I saw Moonlight. Oh. And I was a bit emotionally taxed. My God.
2: <laughs> how, like, how did yeah. you come um, back from that? <laughs> um,
0: I'm unsure because I was, I, I didn't really, like the, like 2016 was the year that I started really, really. Uh, Loving the uh, pers- per, like, I-, I loved following what people were saying out of festivals, right? Um, that was that was what I that's that was when I learned what festivals were. Right. Uh, what what like, I, I don't think if I did that, I would I wouldn't seek out the things I would seek out, or yeah, um, it was a big year know who to pay attention to. It really was. Um, and I don't think I n- knew what either movie were about. I'm just like, no, Mom, shit. Drop me off. I'm going to the movies. Like maybe I did know what they were, but not to the extent of what they were asking for me as an audience member. Mm. And seeing this first, then Moonlight. Mm. What do we think? Was that the right decision by by me at at seventeen? No, bro. Those are two (laughs)
1: like my I mean, those are the two best movies of the year for me. So it's like
0: yeah, 100%. certainly
2: up there.:. Uh, certainly. I agree, but I also think um, I don't know if I would be able to keep watching things after I've watched moonlight for the first time. like I remember leaving the theater after moonlight and just like staring into the void and like I guess the watches from each other. Yeah, like 50 minutes. Oh, an hour, oh that's a good. That's
1: minutes. a good
0: question. I think I think it was an hour. I think so. And you say, so I, I remember getting or moonlight something first. to eat between. It was a rival first.
2: I think that's the bet That's if you're gonna have to do this. Uh, yes. Which I don't suggest yes. anyone does. I, I um, agree with Sophie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, yeah, this was seriously at a time when I was just like, I know they're good movies. Like that's yeah. like you know I've 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 heard. But these, you knew uh, the
1: directors,
0: th- right? And you knew like. is Yes. That what, yeah. Yes. I kn- did. I. I'm guessing I know I can I, I have letter I have letterbox pulled up. I can I, I can I, see I, this. But I feel like Barry Jenkins um,
2: was still not like super yeah, established yeah. as he is now. You just knew that they were well respected.
0: Film. Yes. Right. Okay. I think I may have seen Sicario, but nothing else. Mm. I think so. That sounds right.
2: I feel like Arrival is probably a lot of people's yeah. first kind of like for like yeah. uh introduction yeah, 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 yeah. to Villeneuve in like a significant way. Um, I
0: think I saw Sicario first. Yeah. yeah, I don't
1: know. Sicario was really popular. I remember that was like, yeah, on a ton of people's top ten lists. It made bank. Mm-hmm. They made a sequel of it. Uh,
0: but he does really well in the fall because, like, this—I mean, it, Blade Runner aside—but <laughs> he does really well in the fall. It's, like, this was in the fall. Sicario mm-hmm. was. Dune's in the fall, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, I don't know it's kind of like how Nolan zeroes in on the summer. I.
1: Yeah. I think with. Yeah. I think this film cemented him as a figure. I think people are like, they saw Sicario, no one really saw enemies. People saw Sicario like, okay, this is something. This is you know, I, I, I think I think we're we're into this. I think prisoners
0: did well on streaming, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, there was like it prisoners. Had a life outside of theaters. It was
1: Prisoners twenty fourteen?
0: 2013. And then Enemy is... Enemy is weird. I think that's... Ti- I think ti- I think Enemy and Prisoners are the same year, 2013. Yeah. But Enemy is Theaters, 2014. This is like,
1: and this is gonna be, like...
0: It, it's crazy. That, that's, that's crazy.
1: This is it's just so gonna be hy- hyperbole. Um, and I don't even love Love Prisoners, but, like, this is, like, a Ken- like Kendrick Lamar-type run. Of, yeah. like Because you have him have an album, or at least some kind of project come out like each year, starting with Good Kid, M.A.D. City. Um, in twenty thirteen, you had what was it? I think it was a mixtape or something. Or he was heavily featured. And then twenty four. Like there's all like just he just kept. Or I think it maybe started with To Pimp a Butterfly. Because then he did the Untitled. Then he did Damn. Then he released Black Panther. And like so, he just like kept like all in a row and like in like in like one year after the other.
2: And no misses. Um,
1: right. <laughs> I watched this by myself at the AMC Courthouse. At least I think I did. Um, and I also I... did the
0: double feature alone.
1: No double feature. No. Oh, you did a double. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Who's gonna sign up for that? Um, <laughs> I, I was obviously, and this was, oh, this was four days before my birthday. This was November twelfth. That's dope. Um, back in 2016, I was blown the fuck away. I saw it 10 days later again in theaters with my best friend when I was in California. Then I see it a year later or uh, somewhat of a year later in July with my cousin and then I in 2017 and then I haven't seen it since then until today in 2023. Which is crazy. It feels like I've seen this movie way more than I actually have. It feels like I've seen this like six I times agree. and I've seen this only and this is my fourth time.
0: That's and I wild. haven't seen it in six. I feel years. like the I, I've seen this in the film studies course, and it's like I remember things so well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think after only seeing it the, once, the storytelling in it is so strong that you, it, it just, it's very easy to remember so many parts of this like vividly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think, um, yeah, it's it's it kind of just like stays in your brain and. Uh, I mean, I watch it all the time. <laughs> I, it's like, it's definitely just like a comfort movie for me at this point. Um, although not recently, because they took it off all the streaming services. Um, I had to rent I it. Know. Yeah. Which I'm totally fine with. But um, yeah, I, I, I definitely watch it at least like once or twice a year, I'd say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because... Uh, uh, The Louise character is a little bit of like a Tom Hanks, like she's just good at her job and commands the screen with integrity and um, and wisdom, Uh, and it's those kinds of films that can lure you into this like sense of like right and wrong, and and it never goes out of its way to like villainize anyone. It's just like. How, how do human beings respond to issues with like logic and math? And it's like, you know, and, and I, and I remember uh, critics saying at the time, like, this isn't very sexy, right. But it works. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of a magic trick that Eric Heiser pulls off. Yeah. Um,
2: I also think it's wild because I mean, the themes of it and uh, the, what they're talking about it are quite like profound and deep and big ideas. But the actual script is pretty simple. Like, I, it, they wrote mm-hmm. it in a way that's just so easy to follow. Um, and just... I, there's n- never a point where you're that confused. I don't know. Um, even if you for don't such like, a, fully... For,
1: a, a, for such a nonlinear story, that, like, especially with yeah. general audiences, that's actually super impressive to not
2: confuse yeah. them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think it's... Um, yeah, huge props to the screenwriter and um i know it was like a short story before and i think mm-hmm. it was like a super strong adaptation um yeah i don't know i don't think it won any oscars though like i am shocked it didn't win it for best didn't yeah but it was i think it was, it was nominated, nominated for a bunch, for a bunch but um yeah no acting nom- well i i,
0: I mean no acting. I mean, controversially, no acting noms, um, which is kind of wild because I think oh, this is like okay, Amy it, Adams' best. It role. had, I, and it's her last good yes. role, also, which is sad. Um, but it won for. I mean, film, you know, film role, but um, it won for sound editing, which I mean is is good. It's you know, it's deserved. It's a bit. It's a bit like um, the Ex Machina visual effects win, where it's just like seamless. Well, um, what happened to, but what, what about sound also, design?
1: Who could have won de- sound design over them? That's so funny to me that how that works.
0: It's sound mixing is what you're trying to Oh, sorry, um, sound, wait, is it sound mixing I, and sound
1: editing? Is that the two? Yes. Okay. But now it's
0: sense. combined. Like, it's no longer two. Well, I know, but this who was won, won it was mixing?
1: Two. Like, that's so funny to me. I, I think really- it
0: was Hawks, Hox- I'm pretty sure it was Hawksaw Rich, oh. but if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Um, but, you know, it's the, it's not like the best sound, it's the most sound. It's like editing, you know what I mean? Oh. Like, it's, um, but it also was, um, beaten by, uh, Moonlight for adapted screenplay, which, I mean, that's, you can't really fault yeah. that. I oh, mean, that's, yeah, you can't. I don't, I don't think Moonlight, I don't adapted. think
1: Moonlight should wi- lose a single award to anything. Yeah. No. I don't care
0: what category no. it's in.
1: We're right. Not even,
0: um, a, yeah. Nothing. I know. Yeah, ser- seriously. Um, another, another wild thing about it's,
2: the, at, sorry, about Oscars, um, yeah. And arrival is that it didn't get to, yeah, didn't get to qualify for yeah. best original score because of the right. song yeah. that is not yeah, yeah which is in so, nature of
1: daylight by Max Richter, yeah.
2: which I fucking love that song. It's like as soon as it plays, my whole body just is like it's filled the most with chills
1: affecting piece of music. Not ever yeah. for me, but it's like up there, dude. Because it, it like it immediately transports me. I I want to burst into tears anytime I hear it.
2: I I thought yeah. for the longest time that it was an original, like it was part of the original score. Obviously, I,
1: I I thought so yeah. as well.
2: But then the it, only it's a reason... bit like
0: this this kerfuffle did happen with uh, The Will Be Blood and uh, Johnny Greenwood oh, also, know that. where it's like he did, where it's like uh, he used music that that was existing Right.
2: I mean, um, the only reason. I figured out that it wasn't an original song to, for Arrival is that I was watching Shutter Island and it started playing in Shutter Island. And I was like, wait, mm-hmm. what the fuck? This is from Arrival. <laughs> How did this happen? Yeah. Um, and and yeah. then I looked it up yeah, and I'm like, that, that is wild. But also, it's yeah, right? kind of wild that it just like, it can't be nominated for an Oscar just because, I don't know, I guess it kind of makes sense. But to me, I'm just like this. You must wish
0: there was another category.
2: Yeah. Or you almost For wish that like you know how
1: in court a judge can sh- strike a testimony from the record basically tell right. telling the plaintiffs please strike that from your mind, you know, that was not okay. Please pretend that didn't happen and like when you're making your judgment, do not use that piece of testimony in right. your um in your final judgment. I you almost want the, them to do that but say do not use In Nature of Daylight as a judgment upon the score, but nominate it anyways. Because it's one of those things where that song is so good that it's almost unfair yeah. to nominate it. I think it still should have been nominated because it's still... I think I think it's... Uh, is it Johan Johansson? That is yeah. his name? Yeah. yeah. The um, late Johan Johansson. Yeah. I mean, incredible.
0: I think. Yeah. Or a Horrific Loss, yeah. I yeah, think definitely.
1: he... I think it's like he is... He's almost like Ludwig in a way where he is so integral to the storytelling of this film,
7: mm-hmm. um, yeah.
1: and the actual like mo- like the actual moments of communication he is integral to. Because so many of those sound effects feel like or sound effects sorry uh, so many piece so many times those like piece of music or that sound is very invo- is like the communication that the aliens give. It's like yeah um, those like those like ambiguous droning sounds as it goes like a close-up of the ship as it's drawing closer and stuff like that's a very integral piece of music to the film or sound yeah I, and and i think a lot of it is kind of another issue it would have probably run into is it's kind of hard to tell what is like just the sound design from the like sound engineers and what is his music
7: percent mm-hmm. yeah
1: um, and so there's a lot of things going in into it and i obviously think that he should have been nominated but i do understand some point i do think it is silly though that you use one song that isn't yours and you get disqualified because it's almost because how different is that from using a soundtrack in a film like that's not yours like if you're if you play shoot to thrill by acdc that doesn't disqualify you from the oscars
2: yeah or like like any martin scorsese's film (laughs) with like exactly yeah
1: exactly so yeah. I, I I don't think it's really fair in that sense because um, it doesn't really make a ton of sense, um, but it, yeah. it it's still yeah. whatever like. And even if like let's say he the, he didn't actually create a big score for this film, let's say it's not that much music, it's still better than anything from Joker. Um, like, it's still, like, better than, like, a lot of actual films that have won that award. And the reason I mentioned Joker is because um, Hildi- Hildur.
0: Um, oh, I'm not even going to try that.
1: Yeah. I'm not. Uh, Nori- Nordic, you know, Scandinavian ass last name. <laughs> Very talented. Um, yeah. She is an acolyte and apprentice of Johan Johansson. Oh, really? Person- oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure worked on arrival and all of his in sicario and all of his other scores he um he worked on man because yeah mandy yeah. he was um because she yeah. took over for his, his uh took over for him in, on the sicario sequel
2: oh interesting
1: yeah uh, okay so she's a she's an apprentice uh, of his, and she it, like, she also how, did
2: women talking i think
1: yeah yes yeah. she and blew tar. up after some, like, some music from tar yeah she blew up yeah. after um after his loss um
0: but, um, yeah. you know what won At the Oscars? La, La Land? score? Um, La, La Land, yeah Yeah,
2: yeah
0: Which is, which like, it is score But it's like, you don't think of it I know. Like, Hurwitz's right. music is and important you don't think, But it's really like And
1: of course those songs influenced the, the Academy Making that decision, like there's no way it didn't Yeah, right Because right. In fairness, right. he was a very big part of all those songs I'm pretty sure, Justin Hurwitz
7: Yeah, yep
1: Um even though his first man score
0: is way better, um, but
1: that's-
0: and, uh, and his Babylon score is uh, better than that. Yeah. But uh,
1: I have not seen Babylon. That um, yeah,
0: yeah. that doesn't mean you can't listen to the music. It's true. It's true. Uh, I would. I would. Say I have a big uh, Spotify playlist of film scores, and whenever the track from the montage comes on, it's always it's so good. Just buttery. It's so yeah. good.
3: Um, uh, I, I felt that since this is a film that um, uh, is largely about language and about com- communication, that one of, the, one of the main instruments should be the voice. Uh, so I collaborated with, with several vocalists uh, on the score, uh, mainly uh, the, uh, the vocal ensemble uh, Theatre of Voices, which was conducted by Paul Hillier. We d- we decided not to use words. It's, it's more sounds like uh, vowels and uh, um, um, sort of non nothing that can be tied to, to any any meaning. And so so the voice you know was was an important uh, uh, initial element. And, and uh, but there's also a lot of percussion. There's some orchestra and there's also more intimate uh, pieces. There's a lot of other elements, a lot of uh, uh, processed sounds. When I work with Denny, I, I uh, usually start very early on in the process uh, before uh, they start shooting. As soon as I've read th- read the script, I start writing. Uh, Denny was uh, generous enough to, to give me quite a lot of freedom in terms of uh, the sound. I did a session here in Berlin in a, in a studio with a 16-track tape loop, which basically means that you take a 2-inch 16-track tape and you glue it together so it so it runs in a, in a, in a circle forever, which means that you can record loops on it. And uh, you can also record over the original sound while keeping the original sounds. And uh, so we did that over and over and over and over and over until we had a whole tape full of uh, this very strong, thick uh, piano drone. And then uh, I asked uh, uh, Robert uh, Aiki Aubry-Lowe, who's a a frequent uh, collaborator of mine, and I asked him to sing a a series of notes uh, over this drone. When Rob was singing those um, that first idea, those, those, those first few notes, uh, I really felt that there was something magical happening so I took out my, my iPhone and I recorded it and I sent it to Denny and it was only like 10 seconds and uh, Denny responded almost immediately uh, saying, this is fantastic, you have to send me a five minute version of this and he uh, listened to this music um, um, throughout the process of filming. I try to send things very early on, and I do this partly to have enough material for the editor to work with. This is to avoid uh, any use of temp tracks, so everything is, is uh, um, specially made for that particular film. When I create the, the the soundtrack album for me it's always a very special thing it's uh, I, I always try to make the album work as a listening experience on its own I very often make uh, special versions of, of the cues extend them uh, change the you know uh, s- some arrangements and and. Uh, there are all sorts of things that you can do with with a soundtrack album, which are very creative and very interesting.
0: Where should we Where should we start? Should we start
2: with like Amy Adams? Like, yes. What's I I just miss what's, her. What's going? What's, I miss
0: her. <laughs> what's going on? What's going on?
2: She's so good, and like, I just feel like I I don't know what happened after post arrival, but like, she is such a huge part of why this movie hits the way it does like she's just so yeah. um you can just the movie she is the movie and yeah she just plays it so softly and subtly but like extremely powerful and you can just like feel everything that she's feeling you can feel the weight of everything she's feeling um and i just miss her
1: Mm -hmm. I will compare this to why I'm like the biggest Jason Clark fanatic when it comes to his performance in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes I don't think anyone likes that performance more than me and the reason I like that performance so much is because he, because you just have to fucking think about it, when he goes into the land of, like that compound that the apes have built, where it's all he's surrounded by apes and the ape society do you know what he's actually looking at? A bunch of weirdos dressed in spots.
2: Yeah. And yeah. he has
1: to act like he just discuss- like he's looking at a brand new civilization that blows his fucking mind. Yeah. And he has to portray that emotion. He has to portray also these little subtleties of his relationship with Caesar and all these different things. And he's looking at a bunch of weird guys dressed in like a gray jumpsuit with dots on them. Do you know what Amy Adams is looking at when she's talking to those aliens? A green screen, oh, wh- probably.
2: I was wondering that, like, I, I was like, do you think they just, like, put maybe a video of the heptapods or something in front of her?
1: I really because don't I, think so. I bet it was yeah. just a green screen, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't know.
2: Honestly, probably, but, um, but I was thinking that, about that. So, when you think of that,
1: and you look at actually what she's doing in those scenes, you're just like, what the fuck? Like, yes. that's insane, yeah. And just how, and I mean, Renner is also quite good in those scenes, but what she's doing is on a whole another level of acting because, and, and that's why, I mean, you know, I think when we talk about that kind of like acting in front of a green screen, we all think about like the prequels know, the Star Wars prequels, because that was such a big thing. And that's why people, uh, you know, like are split on those performances in those movies, because they're trying to give the actors a little more like credit for you know, what they had to act with, especially mm. with a director who is not the greatest uh, uh, director of actors. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you look at Hayden Christensen, and he is acting in front of green screens on, like, and that was, and that wasn't, like, new, new at the point, but it's, the whole set is a green screen. All, yeah. all of those scenes, it's all green. And so yeah. he has to do some huge imagining when it comes to that. And obviously there's a lot of actors in those movies that, are much much better but you still have to look at it from his perspective um and so when you look at that and you look at how people like and I'm not saying Jason Clark is on the same level of Amy Adams I don't and that performance in Dawn is not the same level as she is in Arrival but you look but you still have to think about it from their perspective it's the way I it's almost the way I see um when I watch like Sherlock Jr. from Buster Keaton You have to understand that there are no fucking safety regulations at that time there are no real unions there is no real like checks and balances for all of those stunts it's a lot of it's just guys doing a lot of shit and figuring it out on the fly there's not like complicated camera i mean they have to figure out camera rigs that make sense with huge heavy ass cameras while they're doing a chase scene or something or while he does this like you know and just these like um crazy crazy things like the film itself is impressive, but when you think about what went into the film and the limitations and the challenges they had while doing those certain scenes or sequences, you're just like, "Holy shit, that's incredible!" Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a difference there, but you know, one being safety and one just being like CGI and stuff. But still, it is just so. So yes, on one hand, and there's that that challenge for Adams, and there also is the challenge of that she has to be acting in five different timelines yes. and she has to come back from that timeline in a sense and I would love to see what how Villeneuve worked with her on that set because I as a director couldn't even imagine to really kind of work with an actor in those in that complicated sense where she yeah. has to basically portray that she lives she's living in all times at every time
2: yeah and it would also be like his first time <laughs> directing someone, someone in that way, really. like um, and I also just find a lot of what she's going through, she's internalizing it. like she's not talking about these flashes of um, seeing a child or her child or whatever and she's kind of internalizing it for, for a lot of the movie and you just feel you feel it the entire time and you just know exactly how how she's feeling and yeah, I don't know, it's it's so impressive and it's and it's just very subtle. I, I love it. I I think she's my favorite part of the entire movie, which I guess is a basic mm-hmm. thing to say.
0: <laughs> and also being in like every scene. Yeah. Um and knowing like the movie's emotional burden is on that performance. <clears throat> and of course it completely switches your view of the character once, you know, in the beginning you see that devastating event with uh with hannah Mm -hmm. happen and then uh she goes in she goes into the lecture um and looking despondent and a little bit like zoned out but then like that's completely different once you realize like the timeline isn't uh, as straightforward as it may present itself but it works even if it were to be linear let but it's, but it's, it's ahead of the movie. Um, And it's, it's, it's even cooler once she sells those moments when you have to explain uh, like the science to Whitaker or Mm -hmm. like you have those moments of bonding with, uh, with Renner. Like it's not even like alien related. Um, But I, I, I think, yeah, the, it I think I think it's also like Villeneuve is really good with casting. Oh yeah. Um like like her and Emily Blunt are Ugh. uh re- like fitting the roles and fitting the tone of of his vision really well. Yeah. Um and, and it's and it's like I don't think he's trying to like say anything about it. Um At the time, as explicitly as people may infer, because there was a lot of questions from interviews that I listened to that was like, what do you have to say with a woman leading the movie, yada, 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 (laughs) about today's society? And it's like, I I just, I think that there, you know, you found actors that were best for the part. And, you know, it just happened to be Amy Adams and Emily Blunt. But
4: Denis is very, he's... No, he's, he's somebody who, um, I think, I've like I said, I've kind of grown past that. I, I had some experiences. Um, I think being a mom helped me a lot. Mm. I think I, 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 that helped me kind of calm down in myself, but, uh, but being, um, but with Denis, he is so wonderfully compassionate to actors on set, which is so not always the case. He created this very calm environment in which to allow us to have these silent moments mm-hmm. full of breath and full of awe and full of wonder and f- full of confusion and conflict. And his direction never felt like condescending in any way. He was always like, um, I, this is my bad French Canadian accent, but he's always like, I- deeply love what you have shared with us in this scene, you know, and I was like, he deep, you know, and then, then of course that actor thing happens where then he's like one, one day he's like, we can move on now. And you're like, no, 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 no. We Let's go until you deeply love. He's like, it's, this is a shot of your hands, Amy. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but aside from that, he, he really, um, he also has developed a lot of really wonderfully complex true female roles and that's really um, I'm not saying that's unique for a man necessarily but the way he does it is unique I know (laughs) Um, but he he allows women to be smart and tough but at the same time uh, you know vulnerable and confused and he allows this all to exist and um, it's just wonderful working with him. Yeah, fine. Insane? They need to see me. Taking off her hazmat too, Dr. Bates. Let's Are you okay? you risk of contamination. They need to see me. Dr. Bates. She's walking towards the screen. introduction
3: did you get more interested in in aliens from doing that film
4: um I'm pretty interested in aliens I mean I guess but not not really I I became more interested in human nature I mean for me it's how we relate to one another that was the theme in the film that kind of surprised me because um, when I first took it I, I I really wanted to do it because he wanted uh, when I sat with Denis he said um, I can't, do, I can't talk about Denis without doing that bad accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> but he said, uh, uh, yes, there will be aliens and there will be all this world stuff, but at the end, uh, it is a mom. It's a mother. Yeah, there you go. It's just a mother telling a story to her daughter. And that, like, kills me. And that got me, and I said, let's do it. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. And I thought, what, male, what director, male or female, has ever sat me down and said, this is a story of a mom telling. Uh, Telling the story of her life.
0: I haven't seen um, Nocturnal Animals. Oh. But I know that was the other fall 2016. Uh, I
4: started
2: it and uh, then did not finish. Had. Yeah. Um. Good, good call. Good
0: call. <laughs> that seems to be the vibe <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of. Have of you ever what?
1: watched one of those <laughs> movies where at the time yeah. you're like, oh yeah, I I liked that. I was you know it was well made yeah. and stuff and there was some acting in it. Mm-hmm. And then you just think about it more and you people hear more people talking and you're like, oh yeah, that was a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom Ford, what have you done? But it, it, this nothing. performance also not reminds yet. me. I mean, he's of, after
1: that movie, he's done nothing. Yeah.
0: He's going back to clothing. Um, this Stay performance there, reminds Tom. me of um, Jodie Foster in Contact.
2: Oh yeah! I I mean a lot. Hold
0: for
1: applause. Like, right.
2: So so a much of those movie, movies yeah. uh,
1: So crazy! I have not seen that movie.
0: <gasps> oh, you would love oh, that. Oh, it's
2: so good.
0: Oh, you would love oh, um, it. It's sad dads. It's face dads. Uh, is that a Robbie Z, Z joint? You know, yep, Bobby Z. Um, Baby Jenna Malone. Yep. that's Matthew me. McConaughey that's okay. being
2: um, creepy.
0: Matthew McConaughey, yeah. <laughs> um. You were saying something about character the similarities actors. between contact. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. There's.
2: I mean, the performances. I mean, Jody and uh, Amy. They're so similar. And I, I didn't even really think about that. I was just thinking about like the themes of both movies, obviously, and just kind of um, thinking about how our world would try and come together if something like this happened. And I'm like, there's literally no way that our world would you know work together on this like i feel like uh i i, I felt much more pessimistic watching it on, on on this rewatch than i have in the past and being like if this actually happened to us i i think we would just try and blow them up <laughs> right
0: away certainly uh hits different in a post yes. 2020 world yes
2: 100
0: uh, certainly in this and of course the film was needed Uh, And when a certain something happened in the fall of twenty sixteen, exactly, when there's there was a certain circus in the White House,
2: yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. um,
0: Uh, and that may have helped in the movie's box office. I would say it's yeah,
2: and it's funny that like
0: coming together,
2: this movie uh, like Arrival kind of like makes China and Russia seem like the super aggressive ones (laughs) who would who would strike first, (laughs) but like we all know that it would be the U.S. (laughs) who tries to yeah yeah right. (laughs) To bomb the aliens first. Um, but yeah, and it, it, it just has similar themes.
1: I think I almost get the most emotional out of that, like with that idea almost, especially in just nowadays and everything that's happening. It's just, there's more humanity here with these ideas of like people from these countries than so much, so many other films. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do depict China and Russia and, you know, the global. Global East and South as you know the villains or whatever, and that's typical, and that's unfortunately typical. Even though you know, there's also there's a whole conversation with that, but like that they're this way more evil government than we are, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But the way it ends with General is it Shang? Yeah. Um, I mean one of our great fucking character actors. Oh um, hell yeah. Is it Z Mai? Yep, it's Z Mai. Yeah. I mean, he gives uh, a, such a short performance, but I I almost cry. He's
0: really really scene. good in the farewell. That's where I really Oh yeah,
1: him, uh, obviously. But like after this, In yeah. here he's just so fucking soulful and sensitive and vulnerable. And not this aggressive, angry general who begrudgingly is like, all right, you were right, whatever. Um, He has this sensitivity to him that really played with me because I just don't see this in any other film. To depict someone who represents the Chinese government in a way that's not, like, completely vilified, like, they're devils. Like, they're, Mm -hmm. like... And trust me, the Chinese government is not great. Um, You know, I'm not... Whatever. But, I know. Um, but our government isn't that great either. Wait, what? So it, it's... It, but to, and have them be the obvious, like, villains of everything. It just gets to a point where it... Yes, it's racist, but it's also just fucking ridiculous. In the sense of, yeah. like, these are just not... Like, they're almost not human in a lot of our media. And to have such a human moment with him, and him being almost the unificator... Like, the main unificator of the entire world just because someone told him the dying words of his wife i think that's so beautiful i'm a fucking sap i just like i think that's just really really gorgeous and i really think that scene works so well i think adams is terrific in that scene but his just how soft he is in that approach again and he's like in the films like well he's the big scary general who likes to blow everything up Um, yeah, but even, but also, like, there are moments where he's like, I don't want the aliens to divide us. Like, I want the world to be joined together. Yes, it's an act of aggression, but it's not like he's like, I want to, you know, he's not, it's not this. I feel like in a lot of other scripts, he would be the person like, oh, I'm going to take the weapon for myself.
2: Yeah.
7: Right,
0: right. It's a more sophisticated, sophisticated script. More nuanced. To have someone of that, of that character type to, to, to not act as an aggressor. Do you guys think it's it's a better move for the movie to uh, keep what he said to Louise under under secret and without subtitles? Uh, Cause, cause I, yeah. Because I then heard what, what Heiserer wrote. Yeah, I as, saw that as too. As he says to Louise as, um, in war there are no winners, just widows. And, <sighs> you know, I think that's equally as I, profound. I know, when uh, I read but,
2: that... Um, that, that Wait, was supposed so to be Wait, that's the line. what his wife said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he whispers to Louise. I I like it. I kind of wish he said we got to his see His dying that.
1: wife said that to him before she died. There are no what? I don't
0: I didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't don't make that decision. If I'm
1: dying and I'm ta- like wh- what am I going to say to my husband? Not like a political statement. Like I don't
2: <laughs> I don't... It's a story. These were hard play. times. I don't know. It's poetic. I it's, <laughs> I I'm pro I, I kinda when I read that I was like, Oh, I kinda wish we had seen that. But also I think it works it, very well that we don't hear what what he says. because um, it
0: It's a little bit of the lost in translation ending. Like yes, it's it works. I don't think it
2: matters what he says, you context, know? Um yeah. But uh yeah that 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 he Ugh, just everything about that ending is is so perfect.
0: Do you guys also, now that we're on this topic, do you guys also think Arrival is a better uh, uh, title than Story of Your Life? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Which is God. The, the name of the uh, short story. I've also read the short story, I should mention. It's oh, really? really oh,
2: is it good? Okay, cool.
0: I read it when uh the film came out and not in like several years but whenever there's a film out that has short story as its adaptation i'm like oh cool <laughs> yes. i can do that like that's better <laughs> have, than a novel I, I have time for this <laughs> um like yeah like i read burning i read drive my car like okay this is this is yeah cool. um, um
2: i definitely think arrival is a better uh title and um, is the short story structured the same way as
0: it's it's more linear okay
2: Oh, interesting. Like it,
0: and, and I know, like, the um, – I remember the ships are looking like flat screen TVs. Oh. Like, it's not the the egg shape that we, that we see. How um, short is But it? it's generally the same. It's, like, s- seven or eight pages.
2: Hmm. Clay's like, I can make that happen. I can read that. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Hang
0: on. You, I mean, I'm not illiterate. <laughs> um, no, I'm illiterate.
1: Um.
5: In in the story, the heptapods actually don't show up. It's not a first contact per se. Um, It's over a hundred different pieces of uh, technology that just show up around the world uh, that are essentially flat screen TVs and we have Skype calls with the heptapods from like however many light years away. Uh, And that was, you know, academically interesting. No no tension at all there, uh, so the first real choice I made was to to have them show up at our front door, and instantly that gave me a kind of a, a strange ticking clock the public's need for an answer I knew that I wanted to make this first and foremost a story about Louise and about this relationship to her daughter, and that the second tier is the is the visitation I also didn't want to build the story as, um, you know, like a usual suspect's Kaiser Soze reveal of, aha, now the magic trick. I, and I wanted to be able to tell the audience the entire story in the first few minutes or in the first uh, you know, couple of pages, and uh, in, in, at least the emotional part of it. Of all the stuff that made it all the way, the first five pages and the last five pages stayed the same almost exactly uh, from the first draft. I can tell you that I started Writing just the mother-daughter scenes and I and I did a lot of transposition from the short story because there are some lovely Scenes with mom and daughter in the short story and then I made up a few of my own And I just had those kind of banked and then when I started writing out the the rest of the Like the present-day narrative. It was a matter of like finding out where I could insert those What's the context for those and how do I transition to and from them properly because? Um, you know transitions are, are a big deal uh, Story of your life, uh, the first draft was about three months. It was a three-month-long process. The first draft, the very first draft, I had a whole series of scenes that were little scenelets, really, of Louise teaching very basic vocabulary to the heptopods. And Ian would demonstrate. And it was just super like, kindergarten-level words. And, and they were like, Eric, this is not sexy at all this is really boring this is really, i don't want to you not. no actor is going to want to try and do it why what are you doing here what are you doing uh and i said oh, i don't know how to get around like this is what they got to learn I'm like no what? Is, how, why do they have to learn this and i'm like fine and i went to their whiteboard and i wrote this is the question we're trying to get to and here's how difficult it is and here's how many sessions you have and after all of that then you have to have enough vocabulary with them so that they can answer the question. And you can't even go specific, you know, because I said, what's a Pulaski? And they're like, we don't know. And I'm like, well, it's a tool that firefighters use. You can't start with Pulaski. You've got to start with tool. Uh, and they just stared at me for a while, and they're like, that's the scene that goes in the
1: movie.
5: <laughs> Get rid of this other crap. That's the scene.
1: Another point of this film that I kind of realized, and it's kind of, it's the hippy-dippy kind of idea of, the people who change who the people who can achieve world peace and solve world issues are not the military generals are not the cia they're the scientists and the linguistic experts there are people who are pride themselves on communication and empathy and people who like are based in the world of science these are the people who solve actual problems and unify us not people who are worried about what how, how is this an advantage? They're not always people who are not playing a game. Like, the idea of, like, she mentions, you know, how the Chinese government is communicating them via Mahjong and how it's problematic because it is a game that is built to, you know, you're, uh, every move is trying to win and trying to, in some kind of advantage. Um, I think that idea, how diplomacy is, worldwide is basically a game of marjan Mm -hmm. and how detrimental that is to everything um and also this idea of military institutions also being a hotbed for radicalization i mean look Mm -hmm. at what the soldiers do listening to like alt-right like i think those I, i think to be honest that's pretty risky or not risky but Un, not really seen in blockbusters and whether you want to call this a blockbuster that's up to your interpretation but it's not something that you see a lot in these big budget movie wide release big budget movies this idea yeah. of the military not being the answer and the idea that mil- the military is uh you know like hot a hotbed for radicalization um you know ideology the idea that the i solving solving via violence is the complete incorrect way a situation the idea that scientists and lingu- linguistic experts are way more effective at diplomacy than any kind of military politician or you know in- uh, national intelligence service people are um yeah. so that stood out to me in a big way um it and it was, it was interesting i just watched captain phillips for the first time with my cousin kellen shout out um And I loved it. I loved that movie, but he, you know, like the movie ended and he asked in the the first question. the first question he asked me was, do you think that was like too pro military? And and that wasn't one of my first reactions because it's not like that. It's not like, you know, a lone survivor or wherever, where the military is like your main point of empathy and like, you know, it's they're annihilating, you know, like, you know, hordes of brown people that are depicted as savages. Um, but he got this idea that they're, like, the just most efficient force. They solve everything. They get the things under control. You bring in the Navy SEALs, that shit gets fixed, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and he, he brought that up, and I and surprisingly, I wasn't thinking of that. That's something I kind of think about usually, but I think I was so focused on, um, Abdi and Hanks' performances, and just the, I think, the... The use of tension that just didn't come to mind, but that he made a good point in that way. How these are the most profession, professional people in the world, and that they fix everything because they are prepared for everything, and they are dealing with a people. They're dealing with three people who are you know not trained, so they don't know what they're doing. And if and that and you know a lot of that is probably very true in a way. Like that you know it's based off a true story. Obviously, they probably fucked, you know, added a whole bunch of different shit, but that idea, but, you know, they are, like, these people in our military are very well trained. I mean, we put so much fucking money in it. But, Mm -hmm. that idea that they are this pure, unstoppable force and don't make a single mistake and solve problems. And you compare that to a rival where, no, they don't actually solve problems. They make things worse in terms of looking for a a diplomatic solution. And this idea that, um, That again, they are also the idea of aggression being the complete incorrect motivator here, or incomplete, or the completely incorrect pursuit uh, pursuit of action. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, that's the stuff that you know. This, I yeah, the hippy dippy scientists and like communicate and people who are communication experts are the people who are going to save us, not the military, not generals, not guns. It's going to be those people, and like you said, and hearing that out loud, like you said earlier, Sophie, that is a very, it's a very optimistic look. Yeah. And probably maybe too optimistic, but I, I, I think there's a there's a core there that rings really true, and just feels right. Um, uh, it's just hard to ignore, and I know. People have there's a, there's a contingent of people who have mixed feelings about Villeneuve and especially with like the politics surrounding Sicario and stuff like that, which is mm-hmm. all valid and stuff. But I, I think this film shows that, you know, I I don't think he's Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> I don't.
0: I, I was gonna say, isn't that isn't that more Taylor Sheridan? Yeah, politics Sicario. I think,
1: or... and I, I and I think I agree. But I mean, there's yeah, there but. You know, and also a lot of people just don't really like Villeneuve's direction. I mean, most obviously the heavy majority do because he's such a people. Have, he has stands and stuff. Like he's so beloved yeah. by like letterboxed and other in like YouTube, film yeah. YouTube and shit like that. Uh, to a point where it's just like, all right, guys, he's a perfect. yeah. Um, he's a director. I think he can make a decisions. lot of
2: his a lot of his films can feel quite maybe like cold and yes, and that is the you know issue. yeah, which um, I think. Arrival doesn't feel that way. It's one of his, no, I feel like it's one of empathetic. his movies. Yeah. Most empathetic. You can feel the heart in it. Um, but I, I do kind of see that kind of critique of his movies f- for everything <laughs> other than Arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I would
0: say there's a distance with an emotional distance with enemy and prisoners, especially when prisoners need prisoners needs that emotional warmth. Yeah. Um, it fails at that. Uh, I've also heard prisoners being called like an elevated, um, like, uh, CSI episode or (laughs) something like that. Like it's, it's like an elevated TV episode, which is funny. Um, but I think with this Blade Runner and Dune, I think he's, he's, um, uh, learned how to better fuse, uh, character yes. growth and character relationships with these elaborate um um crafted worlds. Yeah. Eric he- and Eric Reiser were coming from like kind of schlocky b horror movies, what else has he done? right? Like he's not really uh he did um let's see. Uh it's it was the uh, the thing remake? Oh, I haven't seen um, that. Lights Off, right? Isn't that the one? It was... Um, oh, the was like,
1: Sandberg so, yeah, thing?
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, he yeah, did
1: right, right. That bird box. Oh, it's called? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, this is not <laughs> a great
0: movie. Like, yeah, Bird Box, Nightmare on Elm Street, remake. Oh. Yeah. Um, Bloodshot. Yeah. I think I think he just, he liked the short story yeah. and, and was like, I feel like there's a way to crack into this. And then it was, it's one of those... Um, I think he reminds me of, like, how Aaron Sorkin was introduced to the social network, where he's just like, what's this book? And then it just kind of, like, yeah. was interested in the book and not so much, like, anything surrounding the story or anything that was related to Ted Chiang, um writing. But um, it this is a really, like, well-crafted screenplay that, yeah, like Sophie said earlier, that it's... N- it, like you don't feel lost, and I think that's very impressive yeah. like there's there's a there are moments of tension that he finds where uh these global uh conflicts are trying to resolve, but you but at the heart of it is louise's um uh, emotional yeah. journey, and those things like coincide well together, but it's never convoluted. yeah, I
2: also think like Forrest Whitaker definitely helps. Uh, ask the questions certainly. that w- we're wondering. He's like, Why yeah. are you gonna just.
0: Sur- s- yeah, the, uh, the audience certainly. Yeah. He, he does it, well, it
2: in a
1: yeah, way well that is surprised. Who's really not good at this is
0: overlooked. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He does it in a way because it's one of those moments where a lot of times you'll see in those movies where it's just like, oh, okay, this is the time where, where the studio made a note saying, Hey, can you explain this part? And the screenwriter yeah. is like, Fuck. All right, sure. Uh, <laughs> you ask this question. In this scenario, it also shows this, I think with Whitaker's performance, but also just the way those scenes are written is that it shows how the military and military personnel are trained to think in this very ob- obtuse and, you know, completely un- closed viewpoint of yeah. how is it going to attack or how is it going to use this to attack us? What, what do we need to know? Like, you know, how is this an advantage for them? All this kind of like these kind of ideas. Yeah. And I think the way Adam's also responds shows more into her psycholog- uh, psychology and under also shows why she is the perfect person to be the forefront of humanity. Yeah. Um, so I am I'm impressed with that. And also, what the fuck is the accent Forrest's doing here? <laughs> I-, I mean, it's not horrible, but I just couldn't place it.
2: Wait, was he doing I, an accent? I, 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 I don't that's, think it, it, that's not just how he speaks. Well, it's it's super more
1: sped up. He doesn't talk that fast.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: I, I don't think he's one. He's a stranger to uh, accents that that feel. Oh like no, kind of the not not it, you know. Uh, I, you know, Jin, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, Jin.
7: Uh, <laughs> have you come to kill me, Jin? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what was he gonna say, yeah. Uh, um i agree with that what was i gonna say
1: you have betrayed Um, me Uh, he's yeah he's always amazing um
0: yeah really consistent
1: also i guess it's also just like comparing his performance in this to like ghost dog it's just like and obviously completely different approaches (laughs) but they just do not sound the same and their speech patterns are way different (laughs) like way different
2: yeah yeah
1: um but yeah
0: uh it, it was. I remember Eric Kreis were like talking about a few times. Like he literally did the um, like Amy Adams drawing on the whiteboard, like the circle, like this is us, like like to like in a boardroom meeting yeah. with like film executives, like like. And then I think the executives were like, "Okay, don't explain anymore. Like, you're literally, have Amy Adams yeah. do this in the movie, yeah. and it, and it uh, functions." Well oh, I love that part. As um, an audience surrogate, but also um, a moment of clarity for the characters and the audience.
2: Yeah. And also it just shows how hard this task is going to be <laughs> like, like trying to teach uh, a language to a life form that has no idea. Well, who knows what they know? They obviously know a lot, but just it's, it, it's just so big the the task that Amy Adams has to do, um, and I feel like that moment really just like puts it into perspective. Um, I also think just like linguistics is so cool. <laughs> like I think that's it's so it's cool, such a, and maybe the, movie, such... maybe the movie
1: maybe the movie kind of glorifies it into being much cooler than it is, but it's still pretty cool.
2: I I don't I think it's just that cool. I, it's just like language really is just like the you know it's 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 us. It's our it's society, it's culture, it's everything. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's why I really love this movie too, because it kind of just like gets your brain thinking about those larger kind of questions about language and communication.
0: Dreaming about the dreaming in the way that like the language you speak is an insane concept. Oh, hundred um, percent and the the way they they talk about linguistics in the film always um yeah like like it's not you know in a traditional sense sexy but it is uh intriguing cuz you see people even if um Donnelly is a a physicist like it is people who are good at their jobs working um at a at a heightened state
7: yeah.
0: um and it's and I always it always gets me in the montage um like when he explains like using both hands to complete a sentence yes. and you start at, at both ends of the sentence yeah. and knowing what you need to write and how much space you need. Like that's such a, that's such a cool way to explain that. It is
2: wild. And it is wild to think about what, how language is going to evolve in 3000 years. Cause I think that's, right. that's when the, the aliens are going to need us. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it's, yeah, it, it kind of like melts my brain trying to think about. This. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, as a question. the whole idea of language. I guess Dune
0: kind of answers that of yeah. being okay.
1: able to understand the language as a, is to understand a different approach to time. I mean, it's endlessly interesting that like that idea. Um, yeah, and it's really awesome that this movie uses that, like Luis's ability to. See into the future, not to make like there's no shot of her like when she's like 80 looking at you know the future of the world, or there's not like she's not able to see 3,000 years of the future. She it is complete. Her besides like one or two scenes, her looking into the future is completely grounded into her daughter and her personal life,
7: mm-hmm. it
1: gets to the emotion of her character rather than. Oh, what is the world gonna be like? You know, it's they it could have easily been into that because that's such the that's probably what like, you would think audiences would want to know is yeah. like, ooh, what's the future? Is it gonna yeah. be Terminator? Or is it gonna be a utopia? Who knows? Um, like it it gets to the it realizes that that's not really the important part, and that also doesn't really drive that idea doesn't drive her actions. What drives her actions are what she believes in, but also what she is fighting for and what she wants to preserve and also mm-hmm. the decisions she has to make with this almost it, she says it's a gift it's more like a curse yeah um and how this is going to change her entire life and what is it even to what is it even to live like that yeah. um it's it's really like those moments are really really impactful and i think it's done so flawlessly i mean i think the editing here is superb. Oh, the editing
2: um, I, is everything in a way. It, it, absolutely, the story. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs>
0: um, it's uh, I it was uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, um, collab, frequent editor Joe Walker, who also cut Blade Runner and you know Sicari Bradford
1: Young think, was but, uh, the DP for this, and Bradford Young shot I mean, this because Roger
0: Deakins was superstar. shooting Hail Caesar at the time. Yeah. Um, this movie looks amazing. Uh Didn't Villeneuve credits seeing David Lowry's Anthem Body Saints mm. and wanting to work with Bradford Young and if, if you guys have seen uh, Anthem Body Saints I have not. like very much like like the way you can definitely see comparisons. Like the way that he uses natural light and the way that um he has he uses shadows, uh very, very
2: It is good. wild. I do think like Villeneuve is like one of
0: this movie costs forty seven million dollars. That's crazy. That's
2: so cheap. <laughs>
1: look know, like- at all <laughs> of the a- movies that have been made for that's one hundred and fifty cool. million. It looks so good.
2: It's wild. What?
1: Four of them maybe look better yeah. in the last twenty years.
2: Yeah.
0: The total box office is two hundred mil. Like that's
2: it. That's really yeah. Crazy. He's like one of like the best. <laughs> directors out there who's able to work with VFX in a way that makes it feel extremely grounded in reality.
0: Yeah. Cause, cause a lot of this was done practically. Yeah. So so wasn't Blade Runner. Yeah. It's yeah. It,
2: it just his balance of VFX and, and practical has always been so great. Um, especially in Blade Runner, especially in Dune. Um, and I think mm-hmm. kind of arrival let him kind of hone his skills in that sense. Um, because it's still, like, a massive project, but it's, you know, smaller in scale compared to Blade Runner and and Dune, for sure.
1: I, I think it's just yeah. really... I mean, I like... I, I think Dune's great, and I think it looks great, but this looks better than Dune. I mean... Yeah, it's doing less. It, it, it's true, it's very true, and it's working with a lot less effects and things, but, like, I just... I, I, I don't know. I think... The atmosphere used here and how it makes this field in Montana so breathtaking and so engaging. And also with that stark contrast with that field to the ship is just, it's all really Mm -hmm. well done. It's compositioned really well. I mean, there's this shot of them coming up in that, like, um, lift or whatever. And it's a, a God's eye view. And it shows like that great bright green at the bottom and, mm, and they're yeah. covered in shadow yeah. and ever surrounded by black. Yeah. And it's just a real, and those are just those moments where I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's so um, good at scale too. Yeah. Like you feel yeah. how big that chip is and you completely understand mm-hmm. visually Um like where you are and what it would look like in real life and yeah i've always found that he's he's good good with kind of making the scale look look accurate
0: <laughs> yeah but it, and it's scale in both ways that's the that's the uh, uh you feel like there there's much much more going on outside of the frame yep. um there's much more going on uh within the small military base that's surrounding this one ship in Montana, yeah. but then like insular, what then going on? Uh, that's uh, going on with Lee's whenever she's looking in distress yeah. <laughs> and uh, and overwhelmed. Um, uh, I just I just I love it. Kind of remi- I mean to bring up Ex Machina again, it kind of reminds me in the way I just love the look of these aliens. Yeah. It's just it's fucking cool. It's so
7: good. Uh, this
0: this it's the way that like I think I think I was a little scared of it not in the way that it's like horror scary but it's just like an overwhelming sight yeah. when you first yeah. see it um especially in theaters with with that um uh you know with that size um yeah but but now it's just it's 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 the way where it's like the emotion of the movie is overwhelming uh so can't the aliens and the heptopods. it's just a freaking cool design
2: yeah even like when she actually goes into The alien side like the heptapod side and you know it's like bright and she's like floating with them that looked great too (laughs) yeah it yeah it's um good movie
0: uh this episode is coming out after we cover swiss army man okay and on that our guest uh makes the case that 2016 is the best film year of the decade. Would you agree?
2: Um oh, just 2019 is just so good. I don't know. I um I think my putting you on a spot. My <laughs> vote would be 2019. But 2016 is a very close second, I'll say. It's it's so good. My friends and I um during the pandemic uh just so we had something to do would do uh, brackets for every every year of of the 2010s actually, and uh, I remember Ooh, 2016. Fun. Yeah, it was actually really fun. 2016 was definitely one of the stronger years. There's one year that's really bad. I think it might be 2012, 2012 or
1: 2011. Good. Yeah. 20, oh well, both the I and
0: I think I yeah. I think it's 2012. I I liked I quite liked 2011. Yeah. I don't. I, I. don't much like twenty fourteen. Yeah. I think twenty fourteen is like very top heavy. Once you get to like like I like maybe eight or nine movies that like that are genuinely great, but then it starts to like really steep down. Uh, twenty fourteen.
1: Yeah. I. I mean, dread came out in twenty twelve, so it's hard. So that's one. That's one point against it. because <laughs> um, that that movie is a masterpiece. That's cheating. Uh, it's yeah. cheating. cheating. Um. Or did they come out in 2013? Oh, I would be such a fraud if I got that wrong. That's, like, one of my favorite movies of the decade.
0: Don't second-guess guess yourself. 12. It was 2012. Okay. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, 2016. It's just Moonlight This. But, like, I don't know, 2017 and 2019 are also such big bangers.
2: I mean, mm. Like 2019 is, like, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire... Ad Astra, it's Ad Astra, Uncut Gems. Oh, Souvenir. oh my god, Uncut Gems. Yeah, it's just like mm. banger after banger in 2019.
0: Irishman. Yeah,
2: mm. and like also the right movie won the Oscar. Like the <laughs> mm.
0: 2017,
1: Get Out. I mean, this Lady year Bird. also.
0: Um, Dunkirk. 2017 is my choice. Right. Oh,
2: oh. really? Yeah. Lady Bird is very good. Oh, 2019 has Little Women, too? Oh, no, it's definitely 2019. It yeah. It's <laughs> definitely 2019, I'm so sorry to say. No, I, I,
0: love, I love hearing everyone's yeah. answer. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. My pick for most overlooked is 2010, I think. Is,
2: is that it? the social network?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because he got, like, Unstoppable. He got Another Year. He got uh, Four Lions blue valentine mm. uh do you, do you have any jeremy renner thoughts oh yeah okay I guess. Well, like, he's good he's own. good
1: and this is he's exactly good. where he needs to operate yes. in. he either needs to play a fucking complete dork or a psychopath
2: those I are agree. the two mm. I, I think he's i also solid. don't think he's a leading man
1: no which no. he wasn't I really I,
2: I feel like he was like a secondary <laughs> character in, like he was he was number two in this um and yeah i think yeah. It, that that's where he belongs
1: <laughs> he needs an approach he needs some. he needs a way to get into the film like him being yeah. like a stick in the mud in the mission impossible works works pretty well him being a complete fucking like psychopath in the town works really well um oh, yeah, him town. being a complete dork in this works really well um I, I think it, when you get that leading man and that more, like, just kind of bland, nondescript characters is where he struggles with. Like, I don't, like, the writing for Hawkeye does not do him any favors. He was okay. He was, like, decent in the, the show. He was fine. Like, they gave him kind of something to kind of hold on to, but everything else, it's mm-hmm. like, and he's, like, better in Ultron. But, again, there's just these moments where it's just, like... Oh, there's just not you can't it's hard to really hold on to something where so much of that dude's story is just cut into pieces yeah um i think late i think in like mission impossible fallout he's fun but there's nothing there's no real character there besides there's like a one moment mm-hmm. where he kind of calls out ethan but again it's just not he's not working with it a lot uh we covered born legacy um he has the, he has moments um i think he works somewhat well in the film but Again, that character is so bland and so nondescript that there's really nothing for him to do. Yeah. Um, and it also just...
0: He's been underserved plenty of times.
1: And I think that's yeah. the... He's also... I mean, obviously, yeah. he's a weirdo. We all know this. And he has a concerning history, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Um, but I do think he... Does he? I, uh-huh. Well, I mean, the app and all this... This is... It doesn't matter. Um, But I think... I think he's been underserved a lot. Um, his strengths have not been used properly, um, mm-hmm. but I do, in, in a way, similar to Adams, um, but I do think he is a really solid actor who's given some really solid performances and has been kind of a scapegoat for that he's not a leading man. Because obviously he really isn't, but I still think, though, that he's not like a, no offense to like Taylor Kitsch or like Sam Worthington. Well, then again, Sam gave a great performance last year, um, but I, I, you know, these kind of like nothing actors, uh, yeah. You know, Liam Hemsworth, if you will, he is not on that level, even kind, no. even kinda. No. Um, he the leading man thing didn't work out. Um, Hawkeye was fine, or whatever. It was okay. I mean, but, like the thing is, no one comes watching that show. No one comes out of that show thinking Renner was amazing. They were like, oh, Haley Seinfeld is such a joy. That's it. No yeah. one really. That's. That's the only thing people take away from that show. Uh, which he's not
2: is, naturally he's charismatic, you know. So you kind of need to give him a role where he, he just needs to where he doesn't go to work have and to do, do it that. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Like he's dorky in this, but that almost makes him more charismatic than anything else. Like yeah. in like uh, like mm-hmm. when he like laughs about science or like he's like get blown away. That you know, th- there's a charm to it. Maybe not charisma, but charm. Yeah, and 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 in, in him in like um the town is like, it's intimidating because he's such a loose cannon. Also, there's this, again, it also works with his connection to Affleck. But he yeah. is also, again, not trying to play like, you know, the, the, the charming psychopath. He's just playing like the real... An actual like, psychopath. R- right.
0: Yeah. It, it, it reminds me a bit of why we thought he was a bit of a revelation in uh, The Immigrant. It's almost as if like when he takes on these... Uh, character actor roles. Mm-hmm.
1: And he's actually charming the in The roles that, that aren't... He, he is, like, the char- charming yeah. magician. Yeah, really great turn. Mm-hmm. He's not... But like you said, he doesn't um, have to be charming for the entire fucking film.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the, like uh, he has that moment when he's like, pop the champagne, I just solved this equation. It's like, okay, like, what do you... Like, you're such a yeah. nerd. Like, you can't... Um, or, like, naming the aliens Abbott and Costello is, like, sort of like a dad joke, I guess. Yeah. Um, which, um... Yeah, it's 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 in those moments that he really sells. Uh, although no one can sell. Let's make a baby. Yeah. like that's <laughs> that's a bit of a, a bit of an awkward moment. But.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I liked him. I um, I do think he could probably have been replaced with someone else and the movie still would have been great as long as Amy Adams was in it but I do think he totally understood the assignment and um, I have no complaints about him in this movie
1: yeah I I I, I like him I like him a lot um, I think he's just I think he's underutilized a lot um, I don't think I've seen him give like a horrific performance um I just, yeah, I, 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 also, yeah, and he also, when he works with good directors, usually works out. I look forward to. I think when he's getting, since he's getting older now, um, I think he's gonna be more into like get kind of comfortable in that character actor realm. I mean, obviously he is, I think, terrific in her, the Hurt Locker. I'm insane. We haven't brought that up, right? Because um, that's his performance, and again with Bigelow, but he's also, again, he's. He's playing kind of a psycho in that. And it's it's just very specific approach to a character. This, like, thing that he can hold on to. Okay, this dude's, like, a fucking dare, like, death wish fucking psycho that everyone is like d- despises. Um, Like, in Wind River, he's, I mean, that movie. But, like, he's not really, he's fine or whatever. But he has, like, besides just, like, the ambiguous kind of white savior justifying yeah. I don't like whatever like he's like oh I have gr-. he has like grief and is like a, a agent of agent of vengeance or whatever but it's just still like uh. um I have not watched his new fucking was it Pico- or showtime show Mayor of Kingstown but I think it, I've heard good things it, but again it also seems like he has a very specific uh, uh, approach to that character or that character has a very specific approach um but yeah i i I like him i like him and i think he's really really solid in this film um i and i think that him and adams have this thing where i wouldn't almost i I don't know if i would call it chemistry but there's this connection there i know that seems like those are the same words but it's not it doesn't pop it's not like you know it's not like fireworks when they're on together but it's just almost this like really natural and soothing connection that they have
2: yeah, you believe like they just it, fit. Sure. It's like a puzzle
1: piece.
0: Um it's better that way that they have that uh uh that they have a connection and not so much chemistry that it doesn't distract itself from being something that's about them serving um you know, problem solving and serving like humanity's quest for uh for for answers. Yeah. And you know, it's like it, they, they do it's cuz it's not like um louise is um like shy or like timid or um like an outsider it, it's more and then ian has to like it like uh like i don't know there's never a moment where it's where it's like there's there's him like trying to guide her right. through this th- through this world of of, like, math and science, but rather, like, they just have an understanding that they just are professionals working in their fields, that they're, like, brought in for this assignment, and um, and then it's, it, like, really wonderfully sneaks up on yeah. you once you realize, like, like, they mean much more to each other yeah. um, from before, and especially because, like, you know, the movie hides that from you in the beginning, and then... Once it's revealed like they have this greater love story going on after these events um it it's it's like they're yeah you you really see like their relationship when they first meet and uh when uh like they have their the moments alone like it's much it's much it's much like it it takes on whole a whole new meaning yeah. as uh Ian is someone that isn't Like, he like Renner plays it in a way that's understated for him, that's atypical for him as an actor. Yeah, none of us have the app.
2: No, 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 no. Um,
0: (laughs) yeah, I, yeah, I, I,
1: quick shout out to Michael Stubard, just yep, solid performance. And I think he works so well. As again, there's he is one of those characters that you know has somewhat of a personality, but also is one of those like rep like symbolic characters of this like cia mentality and like just Mm -hmm. the questions and like statements he says like it's very much that like he represents that type of perspective in our world in this you know hyper paranoid militarized how does this hurt us how does this and he's not like and he doesn't make like horrible points it's not like he's saying anything that's incorrect but it's just this approach that can at times she's just like why am i talking like she says why am i talking to this guy um, which mm-hmm. is, I, I love this movie. It's not very funny. There's not like a lot of laugh moments. I mean, no. I don't think Villeneuve could knows a joke. Um, um but like,
0: well, th- it is funny that that you say that because like there are moments when Renner and Adams like he does have like like a sense of humor uh, that that comes across and it's a bit of like the way that people talk about Nolan like he has a sense of humor even though it doesn't Nolan's come through Nolan's way talks. funnier, uh, than but
1: Villeneuve like way funnier like yes but like well you know he has more i I know what you mean though in that same approach but like it's one of the like uh, yeah uh, but i think like adam's like why am i talking to this guy is like the funniest joke of the movie and that's not even like it's (laughs) fine it's like a yeah yeah, it's just like a smirk um Uh uh-huh i uh what was i gonna say but yeah, I think Stuaburg's uh really solid. Gives I think he he's not given a lot to work with, but he makes it like he gives that character pretty like a good foundation. Um he's not mm. just a talking point.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. And and certainly the character that could have been seen at, I mean like the um the uh the Chinese uh leader like could have been vilified and someone was like the 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 big, like opponent for Louise, but really is just someone who's like trying to be diplomatic, yeah. but comes across as much more aggressive. Um, yeah, Stuhlberg is in an interesting place at this moment. Like, he's just in Steve Jobs, our beloved Steve Jobs. Um, he's about to be in like a million movies. In oh, he's in Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: If that if yeah. you call that a role, God.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I'm just, you know, going through lot. Uh, well, because Doctor Strange is also, like, in theaters. So you could have a Doctor Strange, uh, Michael god uh, double bill, because I think Doctor Strange and Arrival were in, the, in cinemas at the same time. Um, but, yeah, 2017 is when he really pops off, and it's like, oh, who's this character actor who's, like, really talented? But, um, yeah. Uh, do we have any more? Do we have any more thoughts on on Arrival? I think
7: I got it.
2: Yeah, we yeah, went through yeah. it. Good movie. Yeah. Ten out of ten. I think we've got five it. out of five. I think
0: we went, went through everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no complaints. No complaints here. Um, do you guys remember? Like, you know, I guess one more thing. Like, Amy Adams, of course, famously missed out on crazy. Best Actors 2016. Crazy, which is really, which is really weird. It's wild because she got like so many precursors. It's wild, and of course, like, like this movie is in picture, director, screenplay, editing, and then Mrs. acting. She is the <laughs> which fucking is, picture. Like, like the Academy, she clearly they like, clearly love the movie, which gets me. Like, and the acting branch didn't. Like it's uh, yeah. Was it even know. that competitive it's, it's, it would make sense? I
2: Emma I was gonna s I
0: was gonna quiz Stone you guys Emma quiz you guys who's up? yes, Emma Stone One, that's one. Naomi yep.
1: Harris was in support she has named the other Yep. Who the fuck else? Um Oh god. I just wanna say Felicity Jones, even though I know that's not true, just because she that was when she was like an actor <laughs> at that time. Instead of I know I don't think I don't remember the last movie she was in. Um, I think she only had a monster's calls in Rogue One, so I don't think she was in it. Um,
0: I literally can't think of it.
2: Me neither. I don't. What is Mm -hmm. it? Just like a forgettable year.
0: It's it's actually an all right year. I don't mind these, but it's a bit of like a random assortment. She's also in supporting.
2: Supporting.
0: Yeah. It's Emma Stone and La La Land. Uh-huh. Isabel Huppert in Elle. Meryl Streep and Florence Foster Jenkins. She can sing. Uh, Ruth Nega and Loving. Oh, okay. Natalie, Port- Natalie Portman and Jackie.
2: Yeah. Uh, that is I, actually uh, kind of wild that Amy Adams wasn't nominated.
1: Meryl Streep getting that nomination over fucking Adams is... I don't...
2: <laughs> I mean... Extremely on brand, but Florence. (laughs) They like the most acting. You know, they name me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, aren't we all talking about FFJ? Aren't we? You know, uh, to this day. Oh, uh, Hugh
1: Grant is that the other person in that movie?
0: Uh, I believe that sounds right.
1: I remember the poster. I I never saw the fucking thing, but I literally no. I can't. I I can't even remember the last time that I think that I haven't heard that title since 2016. I don't think I've heard a single soul right. say that since 2016.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time in several years. We
1: gotta <laughs> stop with the street uh, nominations. Abel's. Just wait, wait, wait a minute. Just wait a second. Just wait until it's like, oh wow, that's amazing. Just let's wait.
0: <laughs> I think they. I think this. If I'm, am I crazy? Or did she? Was this her last nomination?
1: No post. I don't recall post. her
0: being up for the post. post. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe I'm confusing that with Hanks. I know Hanks wasn't in for the post. Um, she nominated Hanks, for the I
2: laundromat. Oh God. I... Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should we get to favorite scene? Oh fuck. Uh, the... Yeah, favorite scene. All right. I'm gonna just from... gonna fucking
1: claim it because I don't want you two assholes oh. taking it. Um, Damn it. General General Shang. That's like his reveal. I don't know how your mind works, but I think you need to know. I think I need to show you this. I, you know, you've done, you've done, uh, um, you've done the, um, uh, something that even my superior has never been able to do. Change my mind. It's just, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. He
0: has the kind. And also, your, your beloved cross-cutting.
1: Oh, cross-cut. Oh, man. That's, I think that's yeah. another reason why mm-hmm. I, I fucking love this movie is because cross-cutting uh, like gets me hard. Um, so <laughs> it's just this whole movie is just you know horny for clay season just like oh my god yeah. cross cutting cross cutting cross cutting cross cutting yeah. um I, I yeah and that's like the music is going great at that moment you know there's such an intense scene with her you know like trying to lock herself in the um airlock and you know stool bark pulling her gun, pulling his gun but and having all those like very intense kind of actiony, uh, things happening while also sharing this horribly emotional moment, um, is really, I think that's just very, be- that, that's like the encapsulation of how well this movie works. Um, yeah, I, that's, that's my scene. I think, um, Z Mai, uh, I think he has just the kindest eyes I've ever seen someone have just the mm-hmm. most kindest, kindest eyes You could yeah. just lost, yeah. lose yourself in those eyes.
7: There's a SAT
6: line here dialing China. Here? What do you mean here? Come on, come on, Whose phone is it? It's your phone, sir. Search base camp now. Find out who's using that phone. Hold on to those coordinates. Yes, sir. Come on. What do
4: I say? What do I say?
6: My wife's dying words.
3: General. What's am
6: in the United
4: States.
6: General,
5: Cheats you. are going to be me It's person. you You're you
4: should be you to
5: What are you doing?
4: Changing someone's mind. Buy me 20 seconds. No, trust me. Buy me 20 seconds. You trust me. Okay. You trust me, Doctor Banks, drop the phone now or we shoot. Drop it. Yeah. I'm sorry. You are committing
6: an act of treason.
4: Drop
2: it! It's done. I'm done. Um, I think maybe my favorite scene would be when um, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner are, like, trying to do, like, a last-minute session um, to figure out uh, what they meant by use weapons. Like, they were trying to translate. I think it was that point and where there's a bomb in like the the that dude put the bomb in there and they don't know and uh the aliens basically like save them (laughs) in that moment um I just think it's it's super tense and and feels um like Villeneuve at his best and it's just it's it's um yeah kind of A little bit of a climax too of of the of the film um and yeah i mean i would have said what clay said but i think that's also a good scene (laughs) yeah i can't do it with both hands
7: Mm-hmm.
0: The montage. Yes, I I I like you know uh, the sultry narration from uh, from Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Uh, the I love that piece of music. Like I already said, um, the the way that it's like, you know, it's like, it's like any montage that's that's satisfying in a, in a genre film where you you understand that there's a rhythm that the characters have figured out how something is supposed to be worked on. Um, and uh yeah it's just it's just really really cool and i i this movie is just like I, it's it's just really like well crafted throughout mm-hmm. and i think it's it's one of those that we just all saw at a certain age where like every scene is going to stick with us yeah uh it's one of those there's so many scenes in this um, movie
1: where i almost burst out crying right. crying it's like horribly affecting <laughs> yeah. for me it's yeah it's yeah. i i don't i can't even imagine Villeneuve making a better movie than this. I just don't really see it happening. I, I Let's I, wait till March. I really... You know, I mean, Dune
0: 2 could, could be something special. I
1: like a ton of his movies. Um, I mean, I, I love Blade Runner 2049. Uh, I love Enemy and stuff, and I, I think Dune's great. And uh, But I just... I don't see it happening for me. It's just...
0: Yeah, this one's special. This, one, yeah. this one's special. Yeah, but I mean, I uh, would be interested to revisit someday someone choosing... Prisoners and Sicario, especially. Oh, Sicario. you haven't done yeah, Sicario those, yet. Those politics, we haven't. We we've we haven't. I'm yeah. Um,
2: I feel like that'll sure that'll someday, be a good but pod. But those
0: feels like, yeah. Those <laughs> will, yeah. It will be a good pod.
6: Here are some of the many things we don't know about heptapods. Greek, hepta seven, pod foot, seven feet, heptapod. Who are they? Trying to answer this in any meaningful way is hampered by the fact that outside being able to see them and hear them, the heptopods leave absolutely no footprint. The chemical composition of their spaceship is unknown. The shell emits no waste, no gas, no radiation. Assuming that the shells communicate with each other, they do so without detection. The air between the shells is untroubled by sonic emission or light waves. Are they scientists or tourists? If they're scientists, they don't seem to ask a lot of questions. Why did they park where they did? The world's most decorated experts can't crack that one. The most plausible theory is that they chose places on Earth with the lowest incidence of lightning strikes, but there are exceptions. The next most plausible theory is that Sheena Easton had a hit song at each of these sites in 1980, so we just don't know. How do they communicate? Here, Louise is putting us all to shame. The first breakthrough was to discover that there's no correlation between what a heptapod says and what a heptapod writes. Unlike all written human languages, their writing is semi It conveys meaning. It doesn't represent sound. Perhaps they view our form of writing as a wasted opportunity, passing up a second communications channel.
0: Um, but so- Sophie, thank you so much for being here. This was a blast. Oh my to god, have you. it was
2: so much fun. I loved talking about yeah, this course. super amazing movie with you guys.
0: Yeah, this gave us a great chance to revisit this one. Um, thank you for choosing it. Uh, tell everybody where you can be found online and what you're working oh. on. Oh. Um, th- if anything. G-
2: God, I mean, I guess I'll plug. <laughs> I <laughs> So so yeah. many things I'm working on. I guess on. <laughs> uh, I, I do work with past guests, Mitchell Lopre. I work with them at Letterboxd, and we both work on... Um, the Letterbox Show, um, which is the, the, the podcast there. So I guess I'll plug that because I don't have my own podcast. Um, and then also, if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, it's just Sophie Shin. So that's probably where I spend most of my time in terms of social media. Um, so that is where you can find me. Love it.
0: Love it. Love it. Love um. I can be found on Twitter at Jacky Draper. I can be found at The Boston Hustle writing about films. Uh, I am on Letterboxd as well. Jack Draper Seven, follow me there. Um, this film is available in the U.S. on Paramount Plus and Netflix. Also on my Paramount Plus is Mary Kingstown. Have yourself a Jeremy <laughs> Renner weekend with this and Mary Kingstown. I <laughs> think it's good. Uh, I don't mean to. St- it's dad know, television for sure. 15.
1: So I, I, you know, but I hear it's, it's up your
0: alley. It's uh, you know. yeah. It's except uh, it's television. Next episode. Yeah. It's yeah, this is true. A bit of a commitment. Um, next episode, we have Allison Herman here for the delicious Phantom Thread.
2: Nice. Oh,
0: 20, speaking of 2017.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of. You know. Everyone can follow we'll me. To open that conversation. All right. Out. Everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterbox. Birds of Clay ninety nine on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter at ETT Pod. You can send us an email at exiting through two thousand tens at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. Greatly appreciate it. Retweet, share with a friend, run up to someone in the middle of the street, say I can see the future, and then and my future and the future says you should listen to Exiting Through Twenty Tens, and then run away. Um, (laughs) Be good to yourselves, stay safe. Please keep supporting um, the peace and uh, ceasefire movement for everything that's happening in Gaza right now. Um, Please keep donating or retweeting or paying attention. It's most important thing we can do right now, probably. Um And yeah, as always, we will catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2000 Times.
2: Boom. Bravo. Hey, thank you so much, guys. This was so much fun. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's run it back. <laughs>